This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is Mike Slater. Slater to Slater. Uh, it has been a uh, tough few days for everyone. And things things are so broken. It's, it's, I don't know, things are broken and they didn't break on Thursday night. They've been broken. And now that it's been, what, a day since what happened in Dallas, you know, people wondering what to do. And I, I can't help but think that this country needs another unity bridge moment. Do you remember the unity bridge? Oh, it's so important. It was perfect. So so after things like this, people don't know what to do, right? So the best that anyone can come up with is to march in the street, right? Um, and that's it. But then it, that just... And then, but also we blame and we point and we divide and we do all these things and then we end up worse than where we started. But in Charleston, do you remember the church shooting there a year ago? It was just over a year. White killer, black victims, had all the racial tension. But the entire city, out of all the things they could do, did the right thing. It was awesome. The Arthur Ravenel Jr. Bridge. I've never heard before. I don't even. I still don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Big bridge in Charleston. A mom, white white mom, white woman said, oh "Man, I, I don't know what to do." I'm, she sent out a message to Facebook friends. She made a Facebook event, sent it to her friends, saying, "Let's get, let's meet at the end of the bridge, and we'll we'll just meet there, and maybe we'll walk across it. We'll pray." I don't know what to do, but that sounds right. Two days later, 15,000 people showed up. (laughs) And what they did is they met on each side of the bridge. They split up. The family members of the victims met up on each side of the bridge. And at the same time, they walked across and met in the middle, led by police officers, family members of the victims, and 15,000 people from the city. And they sang gospel songs and they prayed and they had a moment of silence and they held hands and it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. I've never seen anything like it. You may remember we talked about it a year ago. And this now also to refresh your memory, do you know what happened after the Charleston shooting? It was all about the Confederate flag. Everyone was so focused on the Confederate flag. No one paid any attention to this. The only way I knew about this is because of local papers and any pictures I saw about it were from people posting it on Twitter and Instagram. That's it. It didn't get any national news because it was right. Right? Because it didn't divide. Because it wasn't divisive. 
So the media is like, oh, well, this doesn't work. This doesn't fit the narrative. This, we, don't, we don't need to be showing people this. Some of the most beautiful pictures I've ever seen in my life. Again, family members of the victims, police officers praying together, embracing each other. If we were a racist country, or as they say, really, what they've been saying, a white supremacist nation. <laughs> a year ago, why were there white people embracing each other and crying for the nine, I think it was nine black people who were murdered in that church a year ago. And same thing now, people are just as broken now about what's been happening across our country. And here's what happens. If you don't fill moments like this up with light and with love, then they they just get darker. They spiral even deeper. And that's where the predators come in. That's where the real deceivers come in. That's where they live and that's where they get power. Because last year in Charleston, because of the Unity Bridge, Al Sharpton didn't show up. (laughs) Right? There was no place for him. There was no room for him. Evil fills the cracks. Evil survives in darkness. The Charleston Bridge is just a huge ray of light. So there's no room for predators. No room for deceivers. But what's going to happen if we don't have another moment like that? What's going to happen after these shootings? What's going to happen after Dallas? Is it's going to spiral? It's going to get darker. And it's going to get worse. The race baiters. The narrative definers. They're only successful when they fill a space, when they fill a void that's left by us. Last year, Al Sharpton couldn't hold a rally in Charleston. No no cameras would show up. No people would show up because everyone was on the bridge. Because the cameras were following the families who were praying with the police officers. People didn't get riled up and fight each other. They weren't throwing rocks at police officers. They were riled up holding hands and singing with each other. There was no space for the devil to get a foothold. They left no space for anyone else to enter and corrupt. It remains to be seen whether or not Dallas is going to do the same thing that Charleston did. I hope they do. That's how the good guys win. That's how Charleston won. And that's why the media had nothing to do. That's why they had to make up the Confederate flag stuff. We made a video on YouTube about this a year ago. Um, we reposted it up on Facebook. You can search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook and um, relive the moment. We got a bunch of pictures up there and everything. Dallas needs to have that. Dallas needs to have that. With everyone. White people, black people, police officers, everyone coming together at the same time. That's what our city needs. That's what our country needs. Put this nonsense behind us. All we do is focus on how we're different. It's so shallow. It's so petty five minutes talking to each other and we see that we have way more important things in common just focus on those it's so much easier and obviously it's so much better search for the mike slater show on facebook mike slater show spread the word this is mike slater part of the next generation of talk radio on the blaze radio network
in the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to Mike Slater. Slater, Slater. Thanks for being here. Said before the break that we only focus on the most shallow things possible. We focus on the easy to see things that separate us, things that make us different from each other. But if we would take the time, and I mean like three minutes, then we would notice the deeper things that we have in common. I, I, I paint this picture like this. Imagine there's a hundred people in a, in a gymnasium and just for the sake of this conversation, because of in light of what happened the other day, uh, half are white, half are black. Okay. And someone says, all right, hundred people here, separate yourselves, split into groups. Okay. What's going to happen? You're getting 50 black people on one side, 50 white people on the other. Why? Why did everyone split up? Why did we split up along those lines? Because all we did was we look at the, looked at the easiest thing possible. That separates us. The easiest thing that makes us distinct from someone else, and that's the color of your skin. It's the one thing, easiest thing to do. So we split up. All right, now we say, all right, everyone, uh, talk to each other for an hour. Just go ahead and talk. Talk to people. Because I firmly believe that everyone is going through something. Everyone's going through a thing at any given moment. Okay? But if we can talk to each other. So my dad died three years ago, three days ago. Right. So I talked to someone over here, whatever the color of their skin is, and they say, yeah, man, my dad died a couple of years ago as well. Oh, man, it's the worst, isn't it? We could talk. We can have a conversation here for a couple of minutes. Okay, now everyone does that. All 100 people find someone in that room that they have something deeply in common with, something that they can deeply relate with each other about. Could be a loss. Could be a goal. Could be a wound from the past. Could be a mission for the present, whatever it is, we talk, we find things that we have in common. Could be the kids you have, could be the passions, the interests, the hobby, whatever things you have in common. Now someone gets up with a hundred people and says, now separate yourselves. Uh, I don't, I don't even know. Why would I, I don't know how, like it's not obvious anymore how you separate yourselves. Because we've gotten past the shallow stuff, now we're into the deeper stuff, and it's like, well, I, don't, I mean, I don't, why would I separate? <laughs> There's no need to separate ourselves now. Do you see that? Do you see how that works? Like, that's what our country needs to do. Stop focusing on the things we're different. Focus on the things that we have in common. It's really easy to do, but we don't do that, and our kids today aren't being trained to do that because diversity is our strength. Our strength comes from diversity. No, it doesn't comes from our unity. They got it totally backwards. I mentioned the unity bridge in the last segment from last year after the Charlotte shooting. I want to play this one clip here. Um, this is one of the family members of one of the people who were murdered inside the church. Now this is on one side of the bridge. There's 15,000 people split up on either side of the bridge. So this is on one side of the bridge before they start walking over. Uh, I think the clip starts with a police officer handing the microphone off to, again, a family member of one of the victims. Check this out. 
Mr. Jay Johnson wants to speak a few words about unity. He introduced me and you clapped. But I want you to give yourself a hand because look at the turnout, not only here, but I heard it's about 5,000 people on the other side of this bridge. Sending a message not only to the United States, but to the entire globe. That when you hear about Charleston, South Carolina, you have us mistaken. We are united as the human race. To this point, you have heard Black Lives Matter. Where is, come here a second, I'm going to do this here in Charleston. I'm going to do this right here. I am going to say this to you. Stand right here. Can you hold this for me? He takes his It's not black shirt lives that matter anymore. All lives. Matter. Takes off his sweatshirt. He's got a shirt underneath that says all lives matter. And wherever you are, wherever you're hiding, whether it be behind a keyboard or a cell phone or in some dark cave somewhere, spewing your hatred, trying to keep us divided. We are the United States of America, one country, undivisible, unto God. Please stop there. That was, uh, that was a year ago. So we need that message again. We need that message right now in Dallas. We need it all over the country. And we need to teach it to our kids. Plato said, um, as soon as one of them grasps what is said to them, the mother and father strive hard that the child may excel. And as each act and word occurs, they teach and impress upon the child that this is just and this is unjust. One thing is noble and another is base. One holy, another unholy. And he is to do this and not do that. Teaching, training, passing along, that very concept missing from our culture today. Not the passing along, but the idea that there is something that is noble and there is something that is not noble. There is something that is holy and something that is unholy. One thing is good and one thing can be bad. We don't even live in that culture anymore because everything's relative, we're told. Everything's relative. Who are you to judge? Who are you to say? That's just not true. So we need to believe it ourselves and then we need to pass it down to our kids. That's how we stop it. I know that's not satisfying, but it's the answer. Now, changing changing topics here slightly. Or should we talk about, um, yeah, let me do this instead. This, this doesn't change it as much, this other point. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. gave a, so, so by the way, th- this battle, it's as old as time, right? It's, it's peace versus violence. That's it. Early in the civil rights era, you had W. W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington. Du Bois was more militant. Booker T. Super peaceful. Then you got Malcolm X and MLK. Okay. Same thing. It, it's right. It, and we just choose. I mean, Every time we our country goes through this, there's a choice we have to make. Now, I don't know who's leading the movements today, but I don't even know if it needs leaders like they used to in the past. But the point is the choice remains. 
So MLK gave this sermon, 1956. And he talks about the difference between quiet and peace. And he tells a story of University of Alabama. And the day that the University of Alabama, or that a federal judge said that the University of Alabama had to admit black people, black students. So a girl was the first black student admitted to Alabama. So she shows up on campus and she was wildly abused. Crosses were burned, things thrown at her, a mob rushed her car. It was awful. So the university asked her to leave for her own safety. So they successfully kicked her off campus. The newspaper the next morning said things are quiet in Tuscaloosa today. There's peace on the campus of the University of Alabama. Quiet and peace. And Martin Luther King Jr., his point was, yeah, things are quiet, but that doesn't mean there's peace. (laughs) Those are different. Things may be quiet, but that doesn't mean the inherent underlying foundational problems are solved. Let me see if I can read this part here. Um, Let's see, where do I start? I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, let's do this. Jesus utters this. He says, think not that I am come to bring peace. I come not to bring peace, but a sword. And MLK says, certainly he's not saying that he comes uh, not to bring peace in the higher sense. What he's saying is, I come not to bring this peace of escapism, this peace that fails to confront the real issues of life, the peace that makes for stagnant complacency. Then he says, I come to bring a sword, not a physical sword. Just whenever I come, a conflict precipitated between the old and the new, between justice and injustice, between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. And I come to declare war over injustice. I come to declare war on evil. Peace, and this is the key point, peace is not merely the absence of some negative force. Peace is the presence of some positive force. Justice, goodwill, the power of the kingdom of God. Right, so quiet is just neutral, but peace is the presence of good. So his point was, in in the University of Alabama, there was no peace. There was quiet, but no peace. And I think we're in that world, that in that country still today, we're in that state, I should say. He said, a peace where there's still injustice or a peace where things are inherently broken is not peace. At best, it's a ceasefire, but it's not real peace. And I think for a long time, our country has been at, uh, we think we've been at peace, but not really. <laughs> right? It's just been quiet. And I'm not even talking about racially. I mean morally. There's been a moral war, and it's been very quiet. And it affects everyone of all races. I think of broken families, no fathers. Abortion, if you want to go there, just pervasive emptiness and brokenness. And that's why 
MLK said, you know, Jesus isn't saying he, he comes to bring the peace of escapism or the peace that fails to confront the real issues. So no, I bring a sword because we're going to get down and dirty. We're going to get down to business here. We're going to separate good and evil. And I don't know if we're ready for it. <laughs> I don't know if we are ready to decipher and to distinguish between justice and injustice, between evil and goodness, because that involves making moral judgments and people don't feel comfortable doing that in our culture today. Right? We live in a culture where there's no individual responsibility, no accountability, no concept of these truths. It's just rampant narcissism, selfishness, and pride. So instead, battle lines are being drawn based on race, not based on the truth. Leaders think they're fighting for communities as opposed to fighting for what's right and what actually helps people. I'm so sick of communities, the this community, the that community. Stop. That's divisive. It's inherently divisive and destructive and damaging. I don't just want quiet. We need real peace. And that is the presence of goodness. It doesn't come from government. I'll tell you that. one 888 Mike Sliders of the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. seen a lot of really nice moments with citizens and police officers last couple of days. You know, it's amazing. And, and you know, you get this already, but you know, the black lives matter protesters, a lot of them protesting police officers and then shots get fired. And of course they run to the police officers. Right. And we told the story uh, and police officers run to the fire, the gunfire and police officers protect the people who are there who were just protesting them a minute ago. It's craziness. But that's reality, right? When reality hits, all the nonsense goes away. And people know instinctively to run to the cops. They'll protect them. We told the story a couple weeks ago after the Orlando terrorist attack of the bartender who was in a room for three hours. And he said when he heard the police officers, he said it was like the sound, it was like the, uh, hearing the sounds of an angel. And when he jumped out of the window and the police officers caught him, he said he instantly felt safe. So that's reality. Those are our police officers, 90-whatever percent of them. But here's the thing. I don't know why you'd want to be one today. (laughs) I don't. Sounds terrible. Way too dangerous. And maybe that's worth risking your life every day if you're appreciated. But then you get physically attacked, you know, almost at any given day. And then emotionally attacked. Everywhere else you go, right? Just like this hatred towards you. It's crazy. I'm sick of these battle lines being drawn. I don't want to go down that road. Let me go down this road. This is important to know. Um, City Journal wrote an article just the other day. Chicago on the brink. A retreat from proactive policing 
has unleashed mayhem in the city. So in the first five months of this year, you ready for this? Someone in Chicago was shot every two and a half hours and someone murdered every 14 hours. Over Memorial Day weekend, 69 people were shot. That's one an hour. What an hour. And the police officer's like, we're out of here. And obviously it's getting worse. But it's not just that. That's The violence is the result of social breakdown. And that's what they write about here. Social breakdown. Ba-ba. Fatherlessness in the city's black community is at a cataclysmic level. Close to 80% of children are born to single mothers in high crime areas. Wow. <laughs> that's the long-term solution. It's the only solution. But if you want to fix that, you got to fix families and education. That's it. That's the answer. Solved it right now. Well, we know the answer. We just got to do it now. Mike Slater, show the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater, Slater's America's the greatest country in the world. Thank you for being here. Happy Saturday. Um, originally, I, I was thinking this, these thoughts here uh, when it came to Hillary Clinton's emails, but I think it applies to what's going on in Dallas and across the country as well as does most of the things we talk about because we talk big principles first and then apply them to things. So when you're talking principles that are true, they can be applied to almost anything. So um, what, hmm, how to begin? Hillary's emails, the whole thing could have been prevented if more people, if anyone, had enough moral integrity to stop it. There were plenty of people around Hillary who knew exactly what she was doing, who knew how illegal it was, who did nothing. And there's still people today in the FBI who know the full depth of how of what she did, who are going to take it to their grave, and are not willing to put their at least jobs on the line to blow the whistle and tell the truth, the full truth. Okay. And then, of course, moral cowardice when it comes to what's going on with the race war in our country. But really, the things that have caused all that division, that's moral cowardice as well. And the things that have caused the degeneration of society, which mostly is lack of fathers. That's moral cowardice as well. All right. Let, let, that's the beginning. Let, let, me, let me share the story quick. There's an old movie called The Searchers. John Wayne lead character. He plays Ethan Edwards. So Ethan Edwards is a civil war veteran and frontiersman. So long story short, it's a whole movie. He spends years trying to rescue this girl, this young girl who was kidnapped by Indians. So he finds her and brings her home. Okay. Now imagine this scene. This is the last scene. It's brilliant. John Ford's the director. So the camera is inside the cabin, looking through the front door to the outside. Right. So most of the screen is black because the camera's inside the cabin. So the frame is silhouetted by the the door, which you can see through. 
the open door. And then you can see the action taking place on the porch. So this is the last scene. John Wayne is carrying this girl in his arms. And hands her to mom and dad, her parents standing on the front porch. So mom and dad take the daughter and the three of them walk inside. They leave John Wayne left standing alone on the porch. So the camera then pans back a little bit more into the house and you just see John Wayne standing there alone, framed by the open door. And he like awkwardly stands there and then looks around and you see two younger people who are in love, distracted by each other. They walk right past him as if he's not even there to walk inside. So again, John Wayne just left standing there. And he's like, well, and he turns around and walks off into the Texas distance and the door closes behind him. And that's the end of the movie. He just spent years risking his life. To save this girl. And that's it. So J.R. Dunn wrote about this scene and he compares it today and how we view alpha males in today's society. So John Wayne is the hero and this is what J.R. Dunn says. He says, quote, he is the man who counts, the one who does things, who will not back down, who will take charge, who accepts the challenge that no one else will dare. He is quite simply the alpha male. The director knew, and so did John Wayne, that there's a paradox at the heart of masculinity. Alpha males are necessary. It cannot be done without. And at times of emergency, no one is more allotted. But when the emergency is over, no one is more unwelcome than the alpha. And that's what that last scene is. Again, John Wayne spending years of his life to find this girl. He succeeds. And as soon as he brings her home, he's completely ignored. That's our society today where the alpha male and where masculinity in general is demonized and ridiculed and believed to be the source of all of our problems. Now, first of all, being an alpha male has been redefined into something bad because I guarantee you right now, I've been saying the word alpha male a few times. What is an alpha male? Okay, picture an alpha male. I bet in your head you think of someone who is abusive, dangerous, violent, angry, rude, a rapist, right? This this is how alpha male has been redefined to be something bad. Now, I want to talk about what an alpha male is in a second. But it's none of those things. Now, first, let me give you an example with with what happened in Dallas. So you have people protesting police officers. So police officers, by definition, have a position of authority, right? And and, and they're alpha male-like people. Protesting cops. Cops are the bad guys, right? Then gunfire. Instantly, it's now a time of need. Where do people run to? There's a great picture of police officer with his gun drawn behind a car protecting another person, just a civilian guy who was there. Right. And then that happened many times. Okay. So, so when it's safe, you attack the alpha male. In this case, police officer, you attack them. They're the bad guys. They're what's wrong. And then as soon as reality hits, we're going to run to them. 
right? It's the same thing. That's what that whole movie was about. Again, it's called The Searchers. That's what it's all about. That was, that was the theme, right? Society needs them. But, you know, when the emergency's over, then not only do we ignore them, but they're the worst people of all. They're the most unwelcome. Not even invited inside the house. Now let's relate it to Hillary's emails, because I think that one's obvious. That connection's obvious, right? This one may be a little less so, but I, I think it's right. I think the FBI director, and we can talk about that for days, what he did, should have done, etc. I don't think there's integrity there. So alpha men have integrity. Real men risk their lives and careers for the truth. Real men put what's right over what's easy. Those are alpha males. And we live in a culture run by weak beta males. And I would sleep better at night knowing one FBI official would come out and blow the whistle and say that this is outrageous, that no one's going to be charged. And not only Hillary, right? Not only Hillary, but dozens of other people who knew about this whole thing. If one person in the entire FBI with knowledge of this would come forward and tell the truth, I'd sleep better knowing integrity in government still exists. But in the meantime, it's just fascinating to look again how evil can be buried under convenience and personal gain. You're telling me there's no one in the FBI who's willing to put their career on the line? Which would happen? It's not even career on the line. To end their career? To tell the American people what really went down and what should have went down and why what we all know should have happened didn't? Want to play a clip here? Uh, here's another guy with no integrity. This is John Kirby. He's the State Department spokesperson. So this was, at the time, the first official, if you can call him that, who was questioned after James Comey came out and said they weren't going to charge Hillary Clinton. It's clip uh, 872. Clearly, um, the FBI found enough, um, you know, Secretary Clinton's intent or whatever notwithstanding, um, that generally that there were a lot of officials and the, that they came across in the scope of this investigation, which led them to believe that the culture is not taken as seriously as it could be. Well, I'll let the FBI director speak to the, the, their findings and recommendations in his investigation, as he should. The question was, do I share, do we share uh, the assessment of the culture at the, of the, at the institution of the State Department to be lax? And we do not share that assessment. We so take think, it very seriously. Well, clearly he found it in this previous administration, so in the previous term. So you're saying that maybe that there was a lax culture that doesn't exist anymore? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all, at least. Um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not parsing words here. I'm saying that the State Department has in the past and and does today take the treatment of classified information very seriously. Um, so it was just and a few when we, bad apples? So it was just a few people that uh, did not take enough care? I, I'm, not, I'm not going to speak to... Uh, any, any more specifically about the findings and recommendations that the FBI made and announced today. What, what I can tell you what a coward. Uh, we don't share. What a coward, uh, right? Assessment. What a king stop there. What a coward. What a beta. I don't even know how you can do that job. Right? How you can do that job. You look yourself in the mirror. They just lie. They lie. That's what they do. People fall for it. I don't know why the people in that room, the journalists, journalists in that room, even listen to that. Like, why go? Why go listen to that guy just lie over and over? What, what, what are we doing here? I just want someone in government 
whether it's that guy, I don't know, to put their job in the line and say, this is wrong. I can't be a part of this anymore. I'm out. I'm out, and everyone else, here's what's going on. Here's the truth. But there's no integrity. There's no real alpha males. Everyone's CYA. Everyone's protecting themselves. Truth doesn't mean anything to anyone anymore. And society can't run like this. Society can't. Forget about government can't run like this. We get that. Families can't run like this. Everyone lying to each other all the time. Marriages can't run like this. Countries can't run like this. Everyone just lying. I'll give you one more example of lying, and then I want to talk about what an alpha male really is. Um, Last week, this is talk about being buried out of the news quickly. Uh, The kid who stepped on a bomb in Central Park. Right, stepped on a bomb, stepped on something and exploded, lost his foot right in Central Park, New York City. You're, this is a tweet from the mayor, de Blasio. Dangerous incident in Central Park today. Fireworks are fun, but let's leave them to the professionals. Stay safe. What? They're calling it a firework? If you step on a firework, it doesn't explode. That wasn't a firework. It was a bomb. They're lying. They're lying to you, and they don't care. And because of that, I say they're not real men. Because that's not what real men do, and that's not what alpha males do. But again, I, I mean, you may be confused because it's like, well, so you keep saying alpha males. Like what? When I think alpha male, I think dangerous, aggressive, violent. Yeah, that's what they. That's how they've redefined it. Because if they can redefine it as those things, then it's easy to say, oh, that's bad. That's not what an alpha male is. But you want to know why society is looking like it is right now? It's because of this deliberate attack. Deliberate redefinition and then attack on alpha male. So we'll tell you what it really is next. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. On the Blaze Radio Network. Slider Crusaders, I want to go to Rick in Dallas, Texas right now. Rick, how are you today, sir? I am great, sir. How are you, my brother? Well, tell us about uh, your city. Um, well, firstly, I want to say congratulations, and you're in my prayers. I heard you're, 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 you're going to be a bigger family, and yeah. I'm praying for a safe delivery and a healthy arrival. Thank you, brother. Uh, the wife will appreciate you that. Bride. Thank you, sir. Um, things in the city are... I'm not in the city. I'm in the northern suburbs. Um, But it's rough. I mean, I did not hear about this until the morning after. Uh, I didn't watch news Thursday night. And I was talking with my pastor Friday morning over coffee and uh, heard about Glenn's um, prayer assembly down at at Mercury Studios. And so I went. And throughout all this time, this thing about mercy had been running through my head. We've been studying it at church. And you and I talked a little bit bit about this some time ago. Uh, and I remember what we, we agreed to was that, that mercy or some form of it is making yourself uncomfortable so somebody else can be comfortable. Mm. So if we use that as a definition, a, a secular definition, that if we show mercy, more mercy in this world, it's, it's a step. And it's not just a step 
that people of faith can take. It's it's a step everybody can take. And it's like you were talking about, uh, you know, beta males and things like that. Well, betas only care about themselves. Alphas mm-hmm. care about other people. Yep. And we have to show them mercy. We have to um, I, do the hard thing. It, it's it's easy to just go, not my problem. And I've been around long enough, man. I had when I was in high school in Northern California. You know, five days after school started, my freshman year, there was a race riot. So I've been dealing with this stuff for a long time, and I truthfully, I thought we were past it. Yeah. But the the people will not let it rest, and so we need to be the force for good on the other side, and we need to hug when other people are kidding. And I, I mean that kind of metaphorically, uh, whether it's physical or or through their words and their and their and their thoughts and their positions. But I, I think that's where it all starts. It starts with mercy. Yeah, I think that's great, and I love that definition. Rick, uh, keep in touch, brother. Let me know uh, what you're seeing in Dallas, what you're hearing, and uh, want to be, be our, your official Dallas correspondent. <laughs> all we right, need. I will take I will take that for you, Mike. I appreciate Thanks, dude. it. Thanks for that uh, reminder or, or that uh, that definition of mercy. I think that's really good. Ties in perfectly here to what we're talking about, man. Thank you. Um, so alpha males, again, they've redefined it to mean rude, abusive, dangerous, etc. But they're not those things at all. Alpha males are protectors. Protectors of the vulnerable and of the truth and of what's right and righteous. That is an alpha male. Someone who places what is right over what is easy, and we'll throw in Rick's definition as well. Someone who's willing to make themselves uncomfortable so someone else can be comfortable, safe, whatever word you want to put there. Isn't that amazing? So do you see how it's been perverted, right? Alpha male means you're a provider, a protector, you're loving, confident, and lead by example. But society has made the alpha male something to be scared of, something evil and bad. So instead of men becoming strong and 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 defining what is good and evil and right and wrong and, and doing the good things, right? Men have decided and society has pushed men to become betas, weak, scared, cowering. And not necessarily to other people, but to the truth and to what's right, and to themselves and their integrity. That's why so many people in the State Department went along with Hillary's emails, because they put their livelihood, their livelihood, ahead of what's right. That's a beta male. That's it. Do we have time to play uh, 873? All right, so this is Senator Claire McCaskill, U.S. Senator. Go ahead. Hello, I'm Senator Claire McCaskill. As one of just 20 women currently serving in the Senate, it's important to me to encourage more women to run for office. But equally important is encouraging more men to sometimes just shut the hell up. It's not that women don't value your thoughts. It's just that we don't value all of them. The world doesn't need your opinion on everything. For example, what women do with their bodies. Hush. Who the next James Bond should be. Zip it. Whether or not it's pronounced gif or jif. Shut up. So as a public service, I made the following list of things women no longer need to hear men's opinions on. Please take a moment to jot these down. 
Star Wars, pantsuits, selfies, Shonda Rhimes, curtains, carbs, millennials, body hair removal, religion, gluten, Harry Potter, nut allergy, Star Wars again, all art in general, whether or not to brine the Thanksgiving turkey, and ethics in gaming journalism. If you can control yourselves and hold back from further expressing your opinions on any of these topics, we'll let you keep weighing in on marijuana legalization. But that's a huge, big if. Thanks so much. What is that? It's a U.S. senator. Telling you to hush. So I'm telling alpha males to stand down. And then we wonder why stuff like this happens in society. Well, society's going to be desperate for them again one day. Desperate for them. And that's why I know you'll be there waiting. Because you haven't given up on them. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On The Blaze Radio Network. Later on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for being here. Happy Saturday. So we're talking about moral cowardice and how no one in government, well, specifically when it comes to Hillary Clinton and her all emails, no one's willing to blow the whistle. And the reason no one is is because we don't have alpha males anymore. There's been a systematic and deliberate attack attack on the concept of alpha males, redefining it to be something bad when really an alpha male is a protector and a provider. And when you can redefine it as something that's evil and wrong and dangerous, then yeah, we're not going to have any more of them anymore. So then the, all those good things are thrown away as well. And then we wonder why there's so many bad things happening why it seems like society is crumbling. One of my wife's friends was in town the other day. She's a kindergarten teacher. She's been doing it for six, eight years, something like that. And I asked her what the most concerning thing is to her. So what's, what's, I said, how did I word it? I said, what's the most concerning thing about your students that you've seen these last few years? And I left it open-ended like that just to see where she would go with it. I said, what's the most concerning thing that you've seen about your students these last few years? And I thought I knew what she was going to say. I, or if you gave me a couple guesses. But it wasn't the number of kids who don't speak English. It wasn't the parents who don't feed their kids breakfast in the morning, let alone bring lunch. It wasn't the parents who don't bathe their kids before school. It's not the kids who have clearly never been disciplined. It's not even the number of kids who love school, but only because they're abused and neglected at home and they just don't want to go back. That's Those aren't even the biggest issues to this kindergarten teacher. She said without a, like that, not even a hesitation. She said the biggest issue is how obvious it is that society wants to turn boys into girls. 
Now, she doesn't mean in a transgender way. She just means, again, a deliberate attempt to rid, to get rid of masculinity out of society. On my local show two weeks ago, we, I forget how this started. I forget how the conversation started, but we had parents call in telling me that at their kid's elementary school, running during recess is banned. You heard that right. Running. No more running. You're not allowed to run during recess for elementary school kids. Now, obviously, you know, score, you can't keep score anymore. We all know that. One kid, one parent called in and said their kid got sent to the principal's office for hanging on the monkey bars. Now, I'm not sure why they have monkey bars if you're not allowed to hang from them. So we had another teacher, another parent called in and said, tag is banned at their school. You're not allowed to play tag. So they play because it has hitting. So they play shadow tag instead where you tag the kid's shadow. Now, I don't want to go into the whole thing about this, but the reason this is really destructive, you can see how teachers would be like, oh, well, you know, with tag, there's hitting. Yeah, well, if you don't teach kids how to hit or how to touch properly, then they're not going to know what hitting is, right? They're not going to know what a proper touch is. They're not going to know what it feels like if you're never allowed to do it. That's part of the learning process of playing tag is not to have it, right? Is to teach what is proper and appropriate. But instead, they just ban the whole thing. Dude, kids are getting hurt. I mean, this is crazy talk, right? So I brought that up to this kindergarten teacher, and they said, oh, I'll do you one better. <laughs> they said they have recesses, whatever, 20 minutes. And the boys... The boys, kindergarten boys, five, six years old, will ask if they can go inside. They don't want to play outside. A five-year-old boy doesn't want to play outside? What are you talking about? What? what? When we were growing up, it didn't matter if it was raining or snowing. Like That's all you wanted to do was go outside. If it was raining or snowing, that's even better. So, so many boys were asking to go inside during recess that now that's against the rules. And if you ask to go inside instead of being outside to play, then you have to, you know, go to timeout or whatever. <laughs> what? And she said it's just amazing how the boys act like girls because they already know in their young lives they can already see all the ways that society is telling them that being a boy is wrong. I'll give you a ton more examples if you want. Uh, we'll go. So that's elementary school. We'll go up one level. We'll go grade school. All the pills being passed out to boys for being boys. For acting the ways that boys have always acted. When the real resolution is to just have them run around more. Run around in proper discipline. Okay, we'll go to college. The ac- An accusation that years ago, a guy did an unwanted sexual advance, advance gets you charged with being a rapist and kicked out of school. Just an accusation. big move on college campuses, I think last year, maybe two years ago, is to uh, get rid of all fraternities. <laughs> shut them all down. Shut them all down. For no, just, just all of them, whether they do anything bad or not, just shut them all down. Shut down all male voices like what you just heard from the senator a second ago. And then in the military, we're not allowed to fight wars to win them anymore. Oh, thank goodness. Men are now allowed to be openly gay and transgendered in the military. <laughs> right? 
So, I mean, from elementary school on, anything masculine is looked down on. Now, we can. I don't really want to talk about Trump at all today. I don't want to talk politics. But is there any doubt why Donald Trump is doing so well and why he's so popular? Right? He is probably the most warrior alpha male person to run for president in a long time. So our country is craving that. Craving it. But again, I'll wrap it up here. The uh, whole Hillary email scandal could have been, all of it would have been averted if there was someone with enough moral courage to step up and say this is wrong early in the process. But no, everyone went along for the sake of their own career. That's selfishness. That's what beta males do. And then with what's going on with the whole Black Lives Matter thing and all that, that's all cowardice as well. It's all hypocrisy and cowardice. And there, there, There's some goodness, to, don't get me wrong. There's some truth to it and all, but I don't know. It's easy to attack the alpha male. It's easy to attack police officers as bad people. But then when something happens where your life is at risk, who are you going to run to? Yeah, those same people you were just criticizing. Alpha males are always attacked until they're needed the most. one 888 Let's take an early break. I actually want to come back. I want to do one last, one last story about this. And then I want to go specifically into Hillary's emails and talk about um, how dangerous this whole thing is. It's not even about Hillary. There's two stories with the Hillary's email thing. It's about one's about our country and one's about Hillary Clinton. I'm actually less worried about Hillary Clinton's political future, to be honest, and we'll talk about that. I want to talk about what this means for our country and the precedent this sets moving forward. It's very dangerous, very dangerous. And will come up many times in our future, but this will be the pivot point for bad things that are about to happen. I'll make that argument coming up next. Mike Slater, show the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Next generation of talk radio. This is Mike Slater. That is one last point about alpha males. So we just celebrated Independence Day last weekend. Now put the powdered wigs and tights aside for a moment. Those men were the ultimate alpha males. Right? Those were men who were willing to put their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor on the line for us. That's incredible. And that's what I'm saying. I just want someone to do that today. Someone in government, someone with something to lose. But to go back to our founding, these are rich men who put truly everything they owned on the line for liberty or for security, for us, not for them, for us. And I think of the males today who have to protect their paycheck at all costs. But you have the founding fathers, many of them very wealthy, with business interests, with England, obviously, who are willing to throw it all away and their entire lives for a concept, a concept that was 
like everyone thought impossible to achieve. I don't see many people willing to do that today. Founding fathers were arrested, tortured, lived on the run. Many killed, fortunes gone. Today, no one's willing to lose their job in the name of the truth. I mean, just look at, so let's look at George Washington. So we have this image of George Washington as the father of our country, right? An amazing general. He was not, at first, a great general. He was very bad. The, and this is, I, I could give examples before this one, but we'll go, we'll skip to the Revolutionary War. The Battle of New York, it was the first major battle after the, after the Declaration was signed. So the British were already sending troops to New York as the Declaration was being discussed. And England obviously ruled the oceans. They had the largest uh, army, military, navy in the world. And New York could not have been easier to invade and control. And New York was the last colony on board with independence. So the colony was pretty divided as it was. But Washington took the fight. They understood the importance of that and lost horribly. First in Brooklyn, then the British took Manhattan. So Washington retreated. 300 Americans were killed in that battle, 700 wounded, 1,000 captured. That's brutal. Like they were crushed. Not a good way to start the war of independence against the greatest military in the world. But Washington gathered his troops in Pennsylvania. And as they were all nursing their wounds, and there were many of them, physical and emotional, right? The emotional wound being, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we fighting anyway? This is horrible. George Washington, not the father of the country at that time, but George Washington, the not-so-great general who just got it handed to him, stood up in front of his men and read the Declaration of Independence for the first time to remind the men there what they were fighting for. And when Washington and his men later crossed the Delaware, the code word was victory or death. And they meant it. Where are we today? I'll tell you, the alpha males, they exist. Of course they exist. A lot of them are in the military. Most. And, um, you know, then we send them to fight wars abroad. And they'd win them if the beta males weren't the ones who were telling them what to do. But that leaves us back here in America with who left over? With what left to stand up for the truth? What remains? What are we doing? What do we love? What are we fighting for? What do we believe in? I don't know. Did you feel disillusioned? Maybe it's just been a weird week. Did you feel disillusioned after Comey, his press conference? I sure did. And that's what we're going to talk about next. There's no more rule of law in this country. It doesn't exist. If there's someone who's above the law, then the law doesn't exist. I'll make that argument next. So it's that. And then it's followed up by, you know, what happened in the police shootings and then Dallas. And it's like, what, what is happening? So here's the good news or one piece of good news out of all this. The way that we are operating right now can't last forever. J.R. Dunn says no society can operate in complete defiance of natural law for very long. <laughs> I right? just can't. It can't go on like this. It's impossible. Eventually, either the whole thing will collapse 
or alphas will rise up to straighten things out. Now, again, when I say alphas will rise up, it doesn't mean brutes grabbing guns and overthrowing the government. That's not what it is. It's integrity. It's doing what's right over what's easy to go back to Rick's um, definition of the word mercy. It's making yourself uncomfortable to put someone else in comfort, right? It's, it's these manly characteristics that need to make a comeback and will. The only question is how much damage will be done before that happens. I was talking to a World War II vet the other day. He was, Bud is his name. He was, what did he say? He's like 5'6", 130, and that was an average weight for a GI at the time, right? So these guys weren't alpha males when you think of one, like when you think of like uh, like the Hulk as an alpha male. It's a big, strong man. No, that's not, they didn't have that characteristic, but they had all the other great characteristics necessary to, in their generation, Save our country, save freedom, save liberty. But they they weren't ready for it, right? We were talking to Bud. He said, I never heard of Pearl Harbor. They weren't ready, but when it was needed, that's when they stood up. So that'll happen. It'll happen in our generation, in our time as well. The only question is, will you be ready? And I think you will. Will the rest of the country be ready? Not even close. <laughs> Coming up next, the real problem with what Hillary Clinton did. It's not even about Hillary Clinton because this will end. Her whole thing will be over. Uh, it's much more than that. It's much more lasting than that. We'll talk about that next. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Later in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater is America's greatest country in the world. Happy Saturday. Thanks for being here. So now that the dust has settled a bit, let's chat about Hillary Clinton's emails. Now, there's two different conversations that are going on. This is often the case when you have stories like this, big stories. A lot of different people are having different conversations at the same time and thinking it's all the same conversation and there's just a lot of confusion. So two different conversations. First conversation is about our country and the future of our country because of this. And the second one is about Hillary Clinton herself. So to be honest, I am less worried about Hillary Clinton's political future. Um, I think she's going to get crushed about all this. I, I am still waiting for the day when a, a reporter, let alone many reporters, Say, uh, Mrs. Clinton, you said you never sent or received classified material, and the FBI director said you did it over a hundred times. What gives? Now, she will find a way to wiggle her way out of it, but it will present enough political bruising that it will hurt her election chances. I still don't think she'll be president, but anyway, that's uh, that's her. And honestly, uh, well, f- first of all, I-, I always want the truth to go first and just let the cards fall where they may. But I believe Trump will have an easier job of running against Hillary than Joe Biden. So if Hillary got indicted, then she wouldn't run. And then Joe Biden would swoop in. And I've always thought that Joe Biden was Trump's kryptonite. 
And I said that to him last time we talked. And uh, so I think Joe Biden, it's better that Hillary's running than Joe Biden, to be honest. So anyway, we can talk more about that another day. Because to me, honestly, that's the least important part of this whole thing. Her. I'd much rather focus on the death of the rule of law in our country. Because that's going to have much more lasting ramifications. As Matt Walsh wrote the other day, Clinton is above the law. So, the law is dead. We are currently living a country where we are subject to the whims of petty tyrants and bureaucrats. They are subject to no one. They do as they please. Now, this is obviously a long time coming, no doubt. Just think even the last seven years. We can go further back. It's not just the last seven years. But think the last seven years. We've had Supreme Court justices rewrite unconstitutional laws from the bench. We've had IRS agents get away with targeting conservative groups and lying about it over and over and over again. And and I love this, saying, oh, my computer's ah, destroyed. They're gone. Oh, you want to see my hard drives? Ah, we, uh, we burned them the other day. Uh, we, ah, just missed it. Well, if only we waited one more day to burn them, then we would have been able to give them to you. But we just randomly burned them the other day for no reason. We're like, oh, okay, no problem. What? We've had all these executive orders galore, shutting down governments for no reason. Listen, there's plenty of times in the last seven years where the law and the process of how laws are made and enforced and interpreted has been fundamentally transformed. We can look at the uh, Title IX, transgender bathrooms, right? That's a rewriting of the law from the president, right? Title IX says, um, you know, it talks about uh, um, you can't, oh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, can't discriminate against people based off their gender. Well, they rewrote the law to say gender identity. Okay, but that's not, that's not what that meant. <laughs> that's not what that means. That's not what that's ever meant, but they just rewrote it themselves. Okay, so how laws are made has been fundamentally transformed. How they're interpreted have been fundamentally transformed. And how they've been enforced are fundamentally transformed. But this is the most blatant and easy to understand of them all. It's very simple. One woman did very illegal things and there will be no consequences for her. That's it. That's the story. It's really important to boil these stories down so the simpletons can understand it, so mass people can understand it. I know you get it, but we got to boil it down to very simple language here. One woman did very illegal things. I'm not even going to put very. One woman did illegal things. There will be no consequences for her. Now, don't you go thinking you can do those illegal things. Because there's sure as heck going to be consequences if you do it, but for her, none. And I will say this, and I know that uh, even people on the Blaze Radio audience will roll their eyes, and that's totally fine. I probably would have rolled my eyes eh, maybe a year and a half ago. But if we continue down this road, and I'm not exaggerating, if we continue down this road, we will become a dictatorship. Now, I will let you roll your eyes. It's fine. It's fine. But if you rolled your eyes, and you think that's crazy, I beg of you to give me a reason why we won't become a dictatorship. I'm going to flip it back around. Again, I, I think we talked about this two weeks ago. I'm sick of always having to be the person to explain why things will happen. 
Why is the onus on me and us conservatives to, to explain why bad things will happen? I think the onus needs to be on everyone else to explain why bad things won't happen, why certain bad things won't happen. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick of always having to take that posture. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I, I will, but I'm sick of telling everyone like, Oh, listen, this is really bad. If we continue down this path and here's all the reasons why we're going to turn into a dictatorship. If we continue to do this, I'm sick of doing that. I want someone to say, no Slater, here's the reasons why we won't become a dictatorship. I got nothing. I don't have a single reason why we won't. Now I used to, and the single biggest reason why we won't, and we'll, we can talk about the second amendment if you want, but the single biggest reason even above that is that we've always been a country of laws, not of men. That has always been the number one reason why this country will never fall to dictatorship. We are a country of laws, not of men. And we have a system of checks and balances, and that will always win. Because someone will go beyond their authority. They will break the law, because we're all human. And humans want power. And when they have it, they abuse power. Human nature. But we have a system of checks and balances and laws that hold people accountable. That's why there will never be a dictator in America. But when that check goes away, which it did the other day, what's to prevent a dictator now? What else you got? Love to hear one. Slater Radio on Twitter. S-L-A-T-E-R Radio on Twitter. Two R. Slater Radio Twitter. Give me one reason why we will not fall into dictatorship. Tell me. Eventually. I don't mean in the next two years or four years. Uh, Fifty. Or whatever timeline you want to put on it. But it's continuing down this road. This is not the road we should be going down. So why won't we become one? Putting the onus on you. Congress has become a total farce. They're useless. When it comes to investigating anything for anyone. So nothing ever comes out of that. Um, maybe more independent branches of the executive branch could be trusted in the past, but they're now all run by hacks, right? The department of justice, that's not an independent branch at all. Now the FBI, you got the IRS. I mean, you go down the line, they're all just hacks. The judicial branch just makes stuff up, right? So there's no checks left. The whole process is ignored. The proper roles of each of these branches are thrown aside. And this is the craziest part because I know there's progressives who listen to the show and they probably rolled their eyes the most when I said that if we go down this road, we will become a dictatorship. They rolled their eyes the most because they've won all these most recent battles, but they wouldn't think they've won if let's say Trump was the one who was in power. Right? If Trump is as dictatorial as the left fears, it's over. Because then the next president's going to be progressive again. You know, it always kind of flips back and forth. There's going to be some tragedy. There's going to be some emergency. There's going to be some national disaster. And it's just game over. Because what's going to, and then what's going to prevent that person? You know, it's always been interesting to me. I've always, you know, as a student of history, I've thought I've looked at other countries and uh, some shameful moments in human history. And I always thought, could that happen here? And I always came to the conclusion, no, for, for what I just explained and other reasons. But there was another thing too. I, I thought, and I don't think this anymore, by the way, but I'm just taking you on this journey. I said, you know, we're, we're in America, we're different. 
than the people of Brazil or Venezuela. Right, those are two failed states in South America. We're just different than them. I couldn't define it, but you know, we're just different. And then you look at the horrible things that have happened in the histories of Japan and China and North Korea in this case. I said, no, you yeah, were different than them. We're different than those Asian countries. Countries with dark, evil histories and moments. Right, so we're different than the people of South America, and we're different from the people of Asia, and we're different from the people in the Middle East and those tyrannies, and we're different from the people in Africa. But are we different from the people of England? Just think about that one. Are we in America different, that different from the people of England? Yes, there are differences, of course, but not that different. And they've had countless moments of tyranny and lawlessness and chopping heads off and ugly stuff. So why wouldn't we... Oh, rule of law. Oh, that's right, because rule of law, because no one's above the law. I ask again, why wouldn't we? If I can quote Thomas Jefferson here, this is 1778. Whereas it appeareth, that's right, it appeareth, whereas it appeareth that certain forms of government are better calculated than others to protect individuals in their free exercise of their natural rights. So, I mean, yeah, some governments are better when it comes to protecting people and are at the same time themselves better guarded against degeneracy. And that's what I'm talking about here. Degeneracy degenerating from the lofty uh, ideals of America into North Korea or anything in between, right? Degenerate from the highest to the lowest. He's like, yeah, some governments are better at this than others, but experience hath shown that even under the best forms, those entrusted with power have, in time, and by slow operations, perverted it into tyranny. Okay, so that's what we just talked about. So what do we do about it? He goes on, he says, It is believed that the most effectual means of preventing this would be to illuminate the minds of the people and give them knowledge of the facts of history which prove the experience of other ages and other countries. And so that people will understand ambition under all of its shapes. So understand what power, power hungry people look like. So we can see them coming. And people can be prompted to exert their natural powers to defeat those purposes. So Thomas Jefferson saying, yeah, listen, every government, all people will eventually in time live under tyranny. Uh, the question is, how do we prevent this? Well, wise up, learn, be smart, be aware. Learn from previous people's mistakes. And look around where we are now. And apply your wisdom. I'm sure you've seen these videos after the 4th of July. People don't even know what the 4th of July is. They don't even know who we, were, who we uh, declared independence against. You think people are going to truly fully understand what that war of independence was about? That's a problem. So I ask again, what's going to prevent us from falling into a dictatorship? Eventually, not tomorrow, not tomorrow, but down this road. I'd love to hear one thing, one protection you got. Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. We'll continue in a moment. On the Blaze Radio Network. 
Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater, you got five minutes. I want to uh, give three examples of three different levels of, of evil. Uh, you have ineptness, ineptness, corruption, and lawlessness. Okay, I think ineptness is on the lowest level. Then you have corruption above it. And then you have lawlessness, uh, which is the worst of these three. So I'll give you three examples real quick. So uh, maybe two weeks ago, right after the Brexit, right? We talked all about England. You leave in the EU. Oh, did we ever talk about on this show? I don't know if we ever talked on this show. The EU has these things called eco design regulations. And they ban high-powered vacuum cleaners and toasters and tea kettles and stuff like this. The EU put restrictions on the curvature of bananas so that bananas had to be the right curve and length. There's a bunch of bureaucrats who have nothing better to do. So anyway, after a three-year investigation, I'm not even getting a three-year investigation, the EU has decided that companies that distribute bottled water are not allowed to put on their bottles that water can prevent dehydration. I'm not even kidding. I'm not kidding. Companies put helps prevent dehydration on the bottles. And after three year investigation, the EU said, whoa, whoa, you can't put that there. So they got 21 scientists together in Italy and they said that dehydration is a clinical condition and you could remain adequately hydrated without drinking water. So to claim that water can help prevent dehydration makes it seem as if there's something special about bottled water which in their own words is not a reasonable claim because you could be hydrated through other things, not just the water. So you can't, right? Like what the heck? Three years, 21 different scientists to put regulations on, on whether or not you can say water prevents dehydration or not. Okay. That is ineptness. That's just stupid time-wasting ineptness. That's the EU. That's why England wants out, among other reasons. All right, now let's do corruption. Now, corruption has a couple different definitions. Uh, it means to destroy, to spoil, and one definition, to, per- to pervert the meaning of. To pervert the meaning of. Let me tell the short of this story. 2005, a woman walks into a local pharmacy in Olympia, Washington, asks for the morning after pill. The owner of the pharmacy are Christians. It's like the owner of Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby and others. And they said, well, listen, we don't sell the morning after pill because of our Christian beliefs. But, and they didn't say that, but that's why they don't. But here are 30 pharmacies within a five-mile radius who do sell the morning after pill. You ready? 30 pharmacies within a five-mile radius. But that wasn't enough for the fanatics. They had big protests. They wrote letters to the state pharmacy board. Long story short, the governor demanded that the rules be rewritten. And the rule says that your religious freedom will not be taken into consideration. You must sell the morning after pill if you want your pharmacy license. The next court up said, no, you can't do that. You have to allow religious freedom here. The Ninth Circuit, of course, overruled it, and the Supreme Court two weeks ago decided not to hear the case, so the Ninth Circuit ruling stands. So the pro-abortion fanatics win. Religious freedom loses. Lawlessness. I mean, that's, 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 I mean, that's corruption, right? Where you have to sell the morning after pill. Now, I mean, we can talk about 
Catholic hospitals, right? They're in quite a bind because the law says if you have a hospital, you have to have an in-house pharmacy. And now the law says, as it was rewritten in a corrupt way, just the rule was rewritten. It wasn't a law was passed. A rule was rewritten. In that pharmacy in a Catholic hospital, if you want to have a pharmacy license, which you have to have if you have a hospital, you have to sell the morning after pill, which of course violates the, the faith, their faith. So awesome, right? That's corruption. The next level is lawlessness. And that's what we have with Hillary's emails, where the FBI can literally lay out a case as clear as day of all the crimes that the Secretary of State broke, all the laws she broke, and then recommend that that person not be charged with a crime. Now, why wasn't she charged? Can I give my theory in 20 seconds? I think the reason she wasn't charged is because it's too big. Too many people are involved. The breadth of it is too massive. The depth of it, too deep. Involves too many people at too high of levels. And it would be disastrous to have not only her, but everyone else indicted as well. So he didn't indict her, but laid out the case as much as he needed to, to try and take her down, which hopefully would end the whole thing without having to take down the entire government, which is what would be necessary. Now that doesn't make it any better, don't get me wrong, but I think it proves that the problem is bigger than anyone thinks. Ineptness to corruption to lawlessness, that's where we're living in now. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Saturday. Thanks for being here. So, what was this Tuesday, Hillary's email on the FBI director? So, that afternoon, I was talking to Congressman Duncan Hunter uh, on the year. He's our congressman down here in San Diego, one of them. And he said, uh, Yeah, Slater, it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, we get stories all the time because Duncan Hunter was a Marine. So, he's a Marine. Uh, Once a Marine, always a Marine. And he said, Slater, yeah, we get all the time emails from people who are in similar experiences with classified and material and we do the best we can in different circumstances when it's appropriate, but no one ever gets the treatment like Hillary got. And I said, whoa, 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 like who, who reaches out to you? He's like, oh, Major Bresler for one. I said, who's Major Bresler? So he told the story, the very short of it, but let me tell the longer form. So you know this, and uh, we all need to be aware of this story. When anyone you know, any of your progressive friends talk about, oh, Hillary, what she did, you know, everyone will treat it like that with fairness. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what about Major Bresler? Okay, here's the story. Major Bresler, 15 years in the Corps, four deployments. He left active duty to become a Marine reservist and a firefighter in New York City. He was actually in a graduate school class. This is in 2012, and he got an email on his Yahoo account from a Marine major. His name was Andrew Terrell. They served with each other in 2010 in Afghanistan. So this Marine sent Bresler an email. And the subject was, important, Sarwar Jan is back. Three exclamation points. 
So who's Sarwar? It might be Sarwar John. Who's Sarwar John? Do you remember a couple months ago, we spent a good amount of time talking about the corrupt Afghan police chiefs who we pay. And by corrupt, I mean they're child rapists. And they rape children on American military bases regularly. And everyone in the military knows about it. And I think this, we started talking about it because a Marine and a, I think it was a Ranger, beat up one of the chiefs. And they were kicked out of the military. Right? They, they beat this guy up because he kept raping children. And they didn't beat him up. They knocked him around for a little bit to let him know they were serious. Like, don't do that anymore after we've already warned you a few times. They get kicked out of the military for it. Okay? Remember that story? So, Sarwar is one of those rapists, but he's also pretty high up and he's involved in narcotics and arms trafficking and has coordinated Taliban attacks. He even sold Afghan police uniforms to the enemy so that they can wear them and then infiltrate uh, American bases and, and kill us. Okay. Bad guy, bad guy. So this Marine sends Bresler an email. Sarwar is back. Now, Bresler and um, where should where should I go now? Um, yeah, let me jump ahead. So he wrote back to him. How do I word that? Let me start here. I'm sorry. So the Marines never gave Bresler an official government laptop when he was in Afghanistan. So he had his own personal laptop. He had on his laptop a copy of a classified report about this guy. So he goes to his search bar, types in Sarwar Jan, and there, sure enough, a document pops right up. Pops right up on his computer. He then sends that report full of classified information to another Marine who's currently in Afghanistan. He said he didn't give the classification of the document a single thought. He said, quote, I just reacted the same way I would in a gunfight, the same way I would at a fire. I just immediately reacted. Okay, so he sends off this email to someone in Afghanistan about Sarwar Jan. So... Bresler then, a couple minutes later, asks the Marine who he emailed if he received it. He didn't get a response. So he emailed him again. Hey, man, did you get the email I sent you? And the guy wrote back, basically, dude, that was a classified report you sent me. And you sent it on a civilian account and you sent it over an unsecure server. I can't have anything to do with that. So Bresler writes back. He said, yeah, man, I had it on a hard drive and it was the only way I could get it to you. Andy, the guy who originally told Andy said you needed it. So this other Marine, there's so many aspects to this story, but the Marine who Bresler sent this to took this as a breach of security. He said, I, I, I don't want anything to do with this. Now, Bresler's in class this whole time. So during a lunch break for the class, he called up a Marine who's higher than him and reported himself. He said, listen, man, this is what I did. I sent a classified information or an email with classified information to one of the Marines in the field. Here's why I did it. Here's what happened. Reported himself. Two weeks later, Bresler got another email. The subject was, Sarwar strikes again. 
And the email said, tragic story for you. Sarwar brought nine, yes, count it, nine chai boys. Chai boys are sex slaves. Um, but they walk around, they, these Afghan leaders, chiefs, they walk around with these, they call, they're T-boys, T-boys, but they're sex slaves. Chai boys brought nine chai boys with him. One of them decided to go nuts and killed a bunch of Marines yesterday. Bresla wrote back, my own worst fears have come to fruition. And that Marine wrote back, I guess you were right. Three Marines were killed. A fourth was shot and survived. The only person reprimanded for this was Bresler. So he's investigated and he's going to get in trouble. It's going through right now. The process is happening right now. He's going to get in trouble because he sent classified information over an unsecure server through a private email address to someone else. Okay, you may get time in jail for this. One of the Marines who served with Bresler said he's one of the finest officers I've ever worked with. I would be happy to have my son in Jason's unit. He's that sort of officer that takes care of his Marines and takes care of the mission. Working with him in that environment, I would trust him. I would trust him with my life. Okay, that doesn't matter. There's plenty of Marines who've given that same testimony about Bresler. It doesn't matter. Kicked out of the reserves, right? He was in the reserves. Kicked out. And he's probably facing jail time for this. And you know what? You could make a, or probably should, or something, some stern discipline, whether it's jail time, I don't know. But he did something you're not supposed to do. Now, uh, Congressman Hunter called it tactical classified information, something like that. Right? It was very like, hey, dude, heads up. Here's what we know on this bad guy that you're now, that is now around you. Doesn't matter. Can't do that. Can't do it that way. And he's going to get in trouble. Hillary Clinton did way worse. Now, this was classified information. This wasn't top secret information. And it wasn't multiple times. Hillary's going to get off scot-free. Not only that, maybe become president of the United States, commander-in-chief, somehow get another security clearance, which would never happen, and get promoted. This guy may go to jail. That's the story of Major Bresler. It's going on right now. And his lawyer came out and said, well, hold on, we're going to use the Hillary defense. And that is we didn't intend for bad things to happen. <laughs> Amazing. So again, when one person is above the law, which Hillary Clinton clearly is, Major Bresler's not, you're not. But when one person is above the law, then the law doesn't exist. And that's where we are right now. Major Bresler, remember that story. one 900 3393 Mike Slater show the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater is on. One of General Patton's leadership principles was always do everything that you ask of those you command. Always do everything you ask of those that you command. It's a pretty simple principle. An obvious one, right? 
Not, not many people do it, but it's obvious. Hillary's the opposite of that kind of leader. In her emails, she told people below her to break the law, right? People below her said they couldn't send her certain information and she would write back, send it anyway, right? They're like, listen, that's classified stuff. I can't send it. And she said, send it anyway. So encouraging people below her to break the law. How can anyone think that that's going to go well if she's president? Now, we could play this game if you want. I've heard a lot of people say that what Comey did is better than a criminal indictment because um, if they indicted her, if they suggested an indictment, then it would all the information would have been secret and it would have taken a couple of years. And in the meantime, it just would have been a witch hunt. And probably people would have run to her to support her. I'm watching the OJ documentary right now. I think we watched episode three last night. And it's amazing the people who ran to OJ right away without knowing anything for no reason. Just they liked him, right? Um, so same thing. People just run to Hillary being like, oh, it's a witch hunt. They're out to get her. So it may be in the end possibly better to have her tried in the court of public opinion and lay out the case like he did in 14 minutes as opposed to taking you know, three years to get all the information out there. Because he didn't need to have that press conference. He didn't need to lay it all out there like that. He could have just behind the scenes been like, hey, no charges, and that's it. And then she would have skated completely free and still have continued to lie about everything. But the FBI director came out, laid out the case, and yeah, the criminal proceeding is over, but... Well, unless the next attorney general wants to go through with charges. But for now, the criminal proceeding is over, but the evidence is on the table, and that's pretty good. I guess we'll take that. Now, again, I will always suggest truth and and the process. I think that's always better, even if it would take longer or whatever, but you go through the process. I think that's always the best thing to do. But if the process wasn't going to happen, then I guess this is the best outcome of that option. Because now the facts are out there. We can just only hope that it's simple enough for the simpletons, the American people who don't pay attention, who don't get the context, who don't understand the importance of this information. I've, I've talked to plenty of Marines who said, and, and SEALs who said this, there's a lot of Marines and SEALs here in San Diego, who say top secret information is usually, not always, but usually human intelligence. Right? So this is a human intelligence, like spies, who spies are being sent around while in foreign countries. I and mean, it's crazy. Spend time in the brig for that stuff. People don't get that. We can only hope that what Comey did and what he announced and what we can spread is enough for people to understand that this person is corrupt to the core, is not fit to run your neighborhood 7-Eleven. You wouldn't trust her with your register unattended. Most certainly can't ever be president. Anyone who's gone through what she's gone through would never get security clearance again. Right? There's no doubt about that, but... She will. Can we play uh, clip 871, please? This is uh, Trump released a video right away. The, I want to play this one. I'm sure you've... Oh, do we, we don't have 871? Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, never mind. That's fine. I'll just... I'll, why don't I just tell you clip 871? Um, you've heard a bunch of clips of people who parsed together Hillary lying and then James Comey saying what really happened, right? And bouncing back and forth what Trump did, because Trump's a master of branding and marketing, as we've talked about many times, is picked at one part and played it over and over and over. He used the classic technique of repetition. 
Because if you throw at people, and Trump knows this, because again, master brander and marketer, if you throw at people a bunch of different things, none of them are going to stick. So Trump took one thing and played it over and over and over. I think the clip, let me see if I can even pull it up for my own. See how long it is. It's short. Um, Yeah, it's a minute. So he plays on the part. I did not send or receive. This is her lie. I did not send or receive any information that was marked classified at the time. And then it goes to Comey saying they were sent. They were marked classified at the time. And then it goes back to Hillary at the time. And then it goes to Comey at the time, at the time, at the time, at the time. At the, it's a minute of saying at the time, at the time, at the time, at the time. It's that repetition. He knows. Trump knows that it's that amount of repetition that it takes to get it through people's head of what really happened. He's not going to throw a pile of things. He's going to pick one little thing at a time and sniper that through your head at the time, at a time, at the time, at the time. She lied. She said it wasn't marked at the time. He said it was at the time. That's an important distinction. She lied. Oh, how'd she lie? She said at the time. It wasn't at the time. He said it is at the time. Do you get the lie? Yeah, I get the lie, but what's the what's the lie about that? At the top, right? Do you see people are stupid is what I'm trying to say. So you got to say it over and over and over again to them before they get it. So Trump's going to do that and he's going to crush her for it. Repetition's key. Dangerously negligent, but never indicted is a pretty low bar to set for someone who may be president of the United States. It's pretty simple. She lied multiple times. It's clear as day. We'll see if she can wiggle her way out of it. But Trump's going to try his darnest to make her not. Slater Radio on Twitter. You can search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. Um, We've had a lot of stuff up there the last few days about what happened in Dallas and what's going to continue to happen in our country and how to solve it. So you can follow us on Facebook for the rest of the week until we meet again next Saturday. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. We'll see you in a few days. Mike Slater, show the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.